long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, Naboo was under an attack. No, not Naboo, Jake. Mario! Oh, oh, oh okay. All right. Yeah, we should talk about that today. Yeah, Mario that's more video galaxy. gaming. Yeah! Welcome, everyone, to another wondrous episode of Region Unlocked. My name's Cameron. And hey, I'm Jake. And today we are recording on December 5th and December 6th, 2021. And we are once again joined to talk about the Wii, our great friend, AJ Jones. Hello. Thanks for having me back, guys. Back. Good to have you. Uh, trying to think, AJ, this is now your sixth appearance you might be our biggest guest star i think you've Whoa, passed us Lindsay and mark six <laughs> yeah because i mean technically i i did split twilight princess into two episodes oh, so metroid yeah, prime two twilights are three wee episodes so yeah because <laughs> you are uh i think at this point an honorary regular cool i'll i'll take it I'll put that yeah. on my mantle. Part of the lead cast. <laughs> <laughs> well, today is going to be, well, at least I believe, the conclusion of us talking about the Wii in Season 3. We've covered the console itself, a lot of great games, and today we're going to just hit a couple more that we wanted to get into and then end it with some great trivia, one of the, the better trivia games I've come up with, if, if you don't mind me bragging about it. <laughs> but let's let's open it up first how is everyone doing what happened between this and the last time we saw each other aj oh you want to start with <laughs> starting with me no. or... I, I, I was just gonna say so many events that was all i was gonna say yeah right. like actually yeah a lot of stuff <laughs> i started playing well i was playing majora's mask earlier in the week Mm -hmm. and then got an email and I had told Karen about this um, an eBay order. I had kind of forgotten about because it was months ago and <laughs> then it was confirmed. And now I'm sitting here and I have a copy of Oracle of ages for Game oh, Boy Color. Nice. <laughs> so I've been revisiting that over the last couple days. It's actually really good, and it's really hard. Um, yeah? I've died four times already, and the game doesn't give you a lot of direction. Like, you, mm. you just kind of have to figure it out. And it's true. I guess by the time this airs, I'll already be teaching, but I did accept a teaching position to teach yoga. At the, oh, you did? Yeah. I'm going to be teaching yoga at the, the corner mat studio. Nice. Super excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, congrats, man. Tuesday nights. It's a great spot. It, I mean, it's a great time slot to be teaching. And other than that, it's just been Elf the Musical. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked. I'm sure, That's again, awesome. once this comes out, no one cares about Christmas stuff like you do an Elf. But it sounds like it's, <laughs> Elf has been going really well. So I was supposed yeah. to come see AJ today. And I texted him yesterday. I was like, hey, when, do I buy tickets online or do it at the door? And we found out that Elf is completely sold out through the rest of the month. No! 
There's no more stands to go see it. Yeah, they've really been plugging the show and people around here are ready to get out of the house and do something. And like you had Mm -hmm. said, you know, Christmas shows, it's it's a tradition. It's it's their first production that they've like a full production they've done since COVID stuff too. So oh dang. Okay. It's a it's a big deal. Wow. So to backtrack a little bit, I wanted to ask about uh, Oracle of Ages. Is that what you said? Yeah, for sure. So what's the deal with Oracle of Ages versus Seasons? Is it like a Pokemon thing where they're, they're like the same game, but with differences? So there's more to it than that. And I, it's yeah, funny that it's... you bring up the Pokemon thing, because as I'm playing this, especially within the temples and like the NPCs, it feels like a Pokemon game. Really? With Zelda. But I mean, not, not the I same mean, combat. Like the, the NPCs. Well, it's like the art style, you know, the characters and the art style. Yes. The pixels, the pixelized okay. characters feel like mm-hmm. they could be in a Pokemon game. But the way Oracle of Ages mm-hmm. and Seasons works is they are two separate games. Like the storyline is different. Okay. But I've only, like, I have, this game came out in 2001 and I have not played it <laughs> since then at all. Yeah. So I don't remember hardly anything about Seasons. But <laughs> in Ages, it's Nehru. And then in Seasons, it's Din, is the Oracle. There yeah, are Din's Fire, Nehru's Love. Yes. And then Ferrare is in both of them, but not as like a significant character. No, uh, she's just in charge of cheat codes. Yes. <laughs> so secrets, game, quote unquote. Yeah, Jake. So you, yeah, you definitely remember this. So. Oh yeah. With the Game Boy Color aspect of it, there's that link cable and you can, there are secret rings that like, if you, you can equip a ring and it will like increase the damage that you, like increase damage of your sword, but also decrease mm-hmm. your defense. Um, yep. And other special rings like that, but you can yeah. only get all of them if you have played through all of Oracle of Ages and Seasons and traded back, kind of like again the Pokemon stuff. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can like link between them two games and essentially share your progress between the two games. So far, I, yeah, I got to like the third temple. I've beat the third temple, but I don't want to just like rush through it. Um, yeah, because two D mm-hmm. Zeldas, you can like the temples. There's only so much you can do in a two D Zelda. Like puzzle wise, yeah. But the music is so good. It's yeah, remixed. Yeah, it is good. The original, like the original NES Zelda soundtrack remix, and little little cutscenes kind of splintered in throughout that look pretty nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I played the heck out of those games back in the day. I remember so much. They were fun. Yeah. <laughs> I never owned them. We just like rented them from Blockbuster for like. A month or something. <laughs> nice. At least I don't think we ever had them. I don't know. Okay. They got lost. But now I have Oracle yeah, of Ages. Game Boy games easily do. <laughs> and nice. I imagine I'll have to, like, I mean, I'll have to get seasons now. And <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you already ordered it and you forgot. No, I, I, I don't one. think so. My, my cart's empty. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Well, let's go ahead and get into our Wii conversation today. And I'm going to actually start it off. I'm just going to go straight to Nintendo Power. So here we go. Whoa. Got the, the Mario Galaxy <laughs> Nintendo Power cover issue. And 
the the stuff about Mario Galaxy in this issue actually isn't that interesting. But this was the right after E3 2007 issue. Okay. So I wanted to kind of look at like their E3 stuff coverage in here and oh, just kind of look through this. I I miss <laughs> I miss magazines like this I so know. much. Like they're just mm. so fun. Yeah. Colorful yeah. and and so well curated. And no Agreed. ads that you have to keep clicking the X button on. So that's not no. true. There's an there's an ad in here for an ocarina. Which you can flip right through. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Yeah, it I'm trying to find it. Yeah, there, you can buy like a an ocarina, just like, like a, in Zelda, like one of those like ceramic authentic ocarinas. Yeah, it's pretty legit. Oof. But anyway, you know, I think Songbird ocarinas who had those ads in those Nintendo Power magazines. I think they're still doing business, and they have a lot for sale. They're really. I wouldn't cool. be surprised. I remember I really wanted one at, at some point. I have point. one. Oh, do you? You have one. My brother That's got legit. one for me for like a birthday or Christmas. It's do you have nice. Anya? Can you do a little song for us? Um, no, I actually can't. It <laughs> I can't <laughs> play anything on it. <laughs> well, how about this? You, you just you know hold it up to your mouth, and then Cameron will edit in one of the oh, yeah. the MIDI <laughs> versions from Ocarina of Time. You just have to like close your eyes and move your head back and forth, AJ. <laughs> I don't know. AJ just got up. Is he, I don't know if he uh, is looking for it. That's oh, right here. It's oh, my gosh. oh my gosh! Like it's a. Uh... Oh, that's legit. Yeah. Yeah, that's straight from the game. Yeah. Give us some sort of demo. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear a single note. Just hear a single note. Yeah. Ooh, improvise. Charming. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Encore. Encore. I no, was not expecting that. Very cool. It's nice. It's got a nice sound. Like a nice sound. Nicer if I I don't know. I just have to practice. Yeah. More. Did it does it come <laughs> with like a songbook of Zelda songs? It may have, but I have no idea where that was. When I moved here, it was a scramble. So Yeah. Hmm. But I did make sure that I brought an ocarina for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, for this for this reason right here. So it that we can have a conversation perfectly. piece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey everyone, Future Cameron here. And while I was editing this episode, I was a little disappointed that AJ couldn't do any better for us on the ocarina. So I texted him, told him to try harder, and this is what he sent back. Enjoy AJ's wonderful rendition of Epona's song. Hey there, Future AJ here. So when we recorded this episode, Cameron kind of put me on the spot with the ocarina and... I couldn't even play a note. So in the post-edit, I tried to put together a little something. This is Epona's song.
Well done. Well done. I'm really surprised at how nice that ocarina actually sounds. So that was really cool. Thanks, AJ. Keep up the good work. As I was diving through Nintendo Park today, I was curious and got online and wanted to look up like what is the beginning of the issues I remember versus and, and when they ended, just so I can know like how long was a part of it. I'm pretty sure I had it from issues 198 to 222, which is right at two years of subscription. Okay. So it sucks because as I was looking through all the covers, it's like, oh man, I remember these covers. Why did I get rid of them? Oh, well, I'm a dummy. I mean, what would you thought have thought to do with them back then? Yeah, and that that's time. what I thought. It's like I'm I'm never gonna do anything with these. It's just like I might sit down every once in a while and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. But mm-hmm. it, it's just it's you know just holding on to your childhood. Yep, type mm-hmm. thing. So I was I was totally. looking through the part where people send letters in. Here's a good letter someone sent. Sometimes when I'm playing a DS game that uses a stylus a lot, I start cleaning my ear with the stylus. I have to admit <laughs> that the end of the stylus is pretty good for this purpose. But for some reason, my family sees it as gross. I wonder whether Nintendo designed the stylus not only for use of the touchscreen, but for cleaning ears too. And that was by Will S. And Nintendo said, we have to side with your family here. This is one of the most disgusting things we've ever heard. <laughs> That is, that is great. Awesome. <laughs> I, I do have a side comment about that. In Japan, they actually do make styluses so that you can clean your ears with them. Hey. Like it's a common thing over here. <laughs> Guess really? it works. I might have done that before. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> the Nintendo's response. That's funny. Man, there's, a, there's a sweepstakes in here. It's called Naruto's Dream. See Naruto there on the Okay. cover sweepstakes if i were to say and i still got the, the thing i could send it in i could try mailing it in <laughs> grand prize right. gets naruto clash of ninja revolution oh man there's a bunch of games here uh path of ninja ninja council two and three. Oh, and one clash of ninja two and one we console and the ds light onyx color so it's like one Wii game, looks like two GameCube games, two DS games, and two Game Boy Advance games. Hmm. Third prize gets a cool Wii shirt. Anyway, um, so I I wanted to just quickly look at the E3 wrap-up. Oh, I found the ad. What brand did you say? Songbird? Yep, it's Songbird Ocarinas. Nice. See, see how well you guys can... It's like this chicken cosplay holding an ocarina. And let's see which ones uh, do they sell. They've got the sweet potato, the, the standard blue one, uh, for forty dollars. Oh, extended range sweet potato for fifty. Ooh. Oh, they've got an XL. Uh, they've got an eagle bone flute. They've got an ocarina CD carrying case, a wishbone flute. There's a lot of stuff on here. On the website, there are a lot. Yeah dozens upon dozens flutes ocarinas accessories just like holy cow <laughs> that's awesome all right anyway uh listeners you enjoyed me just ramble about random stuff i'm stumbling across anyway e3 is that what we do anyway yeah yeah, yeah. 2007 
this there was their top the illusion that they're hanging out with us. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So the Nintendo Power staff picks of the top 10 games that stole the show at E3 07. Number one was Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games. So I wonder if this was the first one. I think huh. it was. Yeah, I wonder. The first time they, they joined together there. Uh, number nine was Soul Calibur Legends. And there's a picture of Ivy. And it says, Ivy owes her perfect posture to the wonders of We Fit. So, hmm. all right. That's, that's how she looks good. And it just so happens that number eight, We Fit. <laughs> so yeah, I can see that being a pretty cool new technology being we was so gimmicky wasn't it it was so gimmicky but the we fit was one of a kind yeah uh number seven zach and wiki quest for barbaros barbaros barbosa's what is this barbaros's treasure i have no idea what this is it is a capcom game it it looks like a side scroll or something but it's on Wii. okay number six was contra four Looks like an old school game. Number five, Mario Kart Wii. Hmm. Very good. And number four was yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles. Did anyone ever play that? Uh, uh, I did. I think I had it. Yeah? That was an on-rails shooter, I believe. Mm-hmm. On-rails, and I think it like took you through the story of one or two games. Yeah. And had it, was, it was a fun game. The graphics were great, but like I just remember wanting to actually move around at my own pace. Yeah. Number three was The Legend of Zelda Phantom Hourglass. And I never played any of those DS Zelda games. I just thought they looked really janky. I didn't have a DS. (laughs) And part of it is I never played a top-down Zelda, and I didn't didn't think that looked good. Hmm. Number two is Knights. Knights. Journey of Dreams, which I'm pretty sure is a Sega game. Okay. Uh, I know nothing about that. So number one, of course, was Super Mario Galaxy. They're very excited for that game. And then let's go ahead and talk about our first game here, which is a game that they reviewed here at the end, and that is Metroid Prime 3. AJ. Yeah. What score do you think they gave it? Was it out of? 10. What did Nintendo Power give Metroid Prime 3 out of 10? Mm-hmm. They probably gave it a 9. They gave it a 10. They gave it a 10. Oh, snap. That's so biased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good point. It's like, who did they work for? <laughs> Were they Metroid biased always or? got, like, I remember Game Informer always gave Metroid, like, 10s and 9s, super high yeah. scores. And to be fair, Universal, Prime 3 was awesome. I just don't remember it. No, I, play, I played it once and that was it. Yeah, it hmm. was a cool experience, but it wasn't... It was just revamping and kind of polishing what they had done in 1 and 2. Yeah. Hmm. And they did introduce voice acting and this like full-blown side cast on your main ship. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But none of those characters were very memorable. No, because hmm. I think they all end up becoming corrupted and and turn into boss fights. Yeah. Like you fight yep. them all, I think. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So it, it came out in August 27th of 07. 
and it's sitting on Metacritic with a 90. So that's really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the only thing I can remember about this game is how much I loved. There's an opening boss fight with Ridley, and okay. you are free falling. You're fighting him as you just are like falling through this giant endless hole, and it just reminds me so much of the opening of the Two Towers at Lord of the Rings, where, <laughs> where Gandalf is fighting the Balrog. And it's just funny because that came out in 2005. Uh-huh. They were probably making this game when that movie came out. Oh. How much was it inspired by that? It was pretty cool, that scene. <laughs> it, it was probably some inspiration, you know? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. I really enjoyed using the Wii Nunchuck for the grapple beam. And there's like doors where you would grab and like you'd you'd like pull a handle out, twist yeah. it, and like push it back in. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they the motion controls weren't awful in that. Yeah. Okay. I wish they'd port the trilogy to Switch. Yeah. There's some thing I think there's some aspects of that game that need the motion controls still, but I don't really mm-hmm. remember. Okay. But anything else worth remembering, AJ? It's it's tough to say. I haven't touched that game in a long time. I don't have it anymore. And the only Wii game I have is Skyward Sword, I think. But it was cool to see how much... It was better than 2. I'll give it that. Yeah. It was definitely better than 2. But that we're talking that was 10 years ago that game came out, and there's been not a new Metroid Prime since. Oh, no, it's been in, in the works for Forever. like... Since the Switch came out, we got that announcement. Yeah, and nothing yeah. other than that that they said that they started over like three years in. So, yeah. who, who knows? But yeah, it's a good game. But let's go ahead and get into uh, a big conversation piece for today, and that is Super Mario Galaxy. <laughs> So, Super Mario Galaxy came out November 17th, 2007. It has a Metacritic score of 97, which is incredible. So, did either of you play this? Yeah. I, I, I played it. I never uh, finished a Mario game except <laughs> for the very first Mario game. But Mario okay. Galaxy was my favorite that I played. <laughs> so, what's your beef with Mario games? They're just boring, man. It's just... <laughs> You're jumping and collecting. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there's not a whole lot of story. Yeah, there's um, no story. But <laughs> I, I can understand the appeal of, okay, I just want to, like, run around in a colorful world and jump around and do backflips. and Exactly. What was so appealing about Mario Galaxy, like, with those Wii controls, that it was really fluid. Yeah. When you're flying through space and collecting the star bits, flick of the wrist and Mario will spin around and Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad at all. I remember I bought this game uh shortly after it came out and then played it to death like that weekend. Yeah. And beat it. I didn't hundred percent it, but I beat the final Bowser boss all in that same weekend and then never touched it again. But I remember Loving it. Like I played it like 12 hours a day for two days straight. And then I was, and then that was it. Yeah. So it wow. kind of sucks again with the problem of just, it's hard to, to go back to Wii games though. It is on switch. Now I did try to play it a bit today 
and it's still just so wonderfully colorful and yeah whimsical and i love the gravitational play of that game it's it's so unique of jumping from planets and uh, i love it's just like, like you're it, on a ball like you'll jump like over a globe yeah and i always yeah. thought that was real fun to get like a good long jump where you just kind of like keep falling around the curvature of a comet or something yeah and <laughs> just the whole gravitational play of that game is very unique it's interesting how all mario games have really had their at least the 3d ones have had their very strange like different twist 64 was our standard one then we had sunshine with our with flood then we had galaxy and then we had odyssey which is uh, i mean a little more reminiscent of the normal 64 but still a very different mechanic with cappy and like possessing creatures and stuff Yeah. Was this this game Galaxy? Wasn't that the f- that's what introduced Rosalina into the Mario universe? Mm-hmm. Rosalina is an interesting character. With that, sorry, I was talking over you. What'd you say? Uh, did what was the story with her? I, I can't remember. So her story, I should remember it better, but it's actually a big plot point of that game is her like telling her story, and shoot. I don't remember a thing about it. No, because I don't either. That's not about the Wii games. They were just like, they were good in the moment. I know and she has a sad story. You know what? I'm going, this, this isn't fair to this game. I'm going to patch in future me giving a quick rundown of Rosalina's story. Okay. So take it away, future me. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Mario Galaxy Storytime with your host, Future Cameron. Settle in as I read you the story that Rosalina tells in Super Mario Galaxy, because it is quite a bit longer than I remembered. Chapter 1, The Celestial Duo. Our story begins a very, very long time ago with a young girl. One day this girl spotted a rusty spaceship holding a small star child. What's your name? Are you lost? The girl asked the star child. I'm Luma, and I'm waiting for Mama. She's coming for me on a comet, said the star child, who had been waiting day and night. Don't worry, I'll wait with you, the little girl promised. At nightfall, the little girl borrowed her father's telescope and peered into the sky. She looked around, but she saw nothing. Hours turned into days, and then years, but the sky revealed nothing. Finally, the little girl sighed and said to Luma, If we stay here much longer, I'll be an old lady soon. But then she had an idea. Why don't we go out there and find your mother ourselves? The girl and Luma fixed up the rusty spaceship, and then the two of them set sail into the starry sky. And this is how the search for the celestial mother began. Chapter 2. Star Bits Days passed with no sight of the comet, or even a single planet. Instead, asteroids extended as far as the eye could see. If I had known it was going to take this long, I would have packed more jams, said the little girl, above the rumble of her belly. Before they left, she packed all the essentials. Telescope, butterfly net, stuffed bunny, bread, milk, jam, and apricot-flavored tea. But I forgot to bring water! At this, Luma burst into gales of laughter, and the girl began to pout. As long as I have star bits, I'll be fine, said Luma. Want some? The little girl couldn't stay mad after hearing this. Luma continued to laugh, and the girl couldn't help but join in. All right, maybe just a nibble. 
Leaning far out of the ship, the pair began to collect star bits with the girl's net. They almost fell out a few times, but they kept on collecting. The star bits tasted like honey. Chapter 3. The Comet A beam of light pierced through the ship's window. Thinking it was the morning sun, the girl peered through the window, only to find a turquoise blue comet shimmering at her. The girl shook the sleeping Luma awake and shouted, We have to get to that comet! The pair descended on the comet and found that it was made of ice. They looked high and low, but Luma's mother was nowhere to be found. Exhausted, the little girl sat down with a flop, utterly unable to take another step. Look! Peering down at the icy ground where Luma was pointing, the girl suddenly noticed clusters of star bits encased in the ice. Pretty good, huh? Finding star bits is my specialty, said Luma, beaming. There's ice here, but it's so warm. I bet there's water here, too. The two decided to stay on that comet for a while. Riding the turquoise comet, the pair continued their search for Luma's mother. Chapter 4. The Dream One night, the girl dreamed about her own mother. Where are you going? She asked her mother, retreating back. Without turning, her mother replied, Don't fret, dearest. I'm not going anywhere. I'm always watching over you. Like the sun in the day and the moon in the night. A wave of sadness washed over the girl. What about when it rains and I can't see the sun or the moon? Her mother thought for a moment before responding. I will turn into a star in the clouds and wait for your tears to dry. Then she awoke. The girl's face was damp with tears. You have star bits in your eyes, said Luma to the girl. Wiping her face, the girl replied, These are tears, not star bits. I'm crying because I'll never see my mother again. At this, Luma began to cry too. Mama, oh mama, wah. The pair traveled through the starry skies, and though they encountered many other comets, not one held Luma's mother. Luma was despondent. Now, now, Luma, the rain clouds won't go away if you keep crying, the girl said, giving Luma a squeeze. I'll give you a present if you stop. The girl closed her eyes and said gently, I'll take care of you. With these words, she felt a small spark in her heart. I'd like to interrupt and say, all of these things I'm reading is like a picture book, and there are pictures with this passage, the dream, and her mother in this dream looks like either Peach or Rosalina. So is the kid Rosalina, or is Rosalina the mom who's left a kid? I'm not quite sure. But it really looks like it's supposed to be Peach in a blue dress. So is Rosalina related to Peach? I'm not sure. Chapter 5. Home. The kitchen will go here, and the library will go over there, the girl said busily to herself. We'll put the gate here. Ever since the girl took Luma under her care, she'd been bustling about at a feverish pace. It's a lot of work, but it's worth it to make a happy home. It turned out that the star bits weren't the only thing buried in the ice. There were tools and furniture unlike they had ever seen, and the girl used them to build a home. Looking at the completed house, Luma remarked, Don't you think it's awfully big for just the two of us? With a library, bedroom, kitchen, fountain, and gate, it was certainly spacious. But still, something seemed to be missing. If only my father, brother, and mother were here, the girl said wistfully. Indeed, the house was too large for its two small residents. That night, clutching her favorite stuffed bunny close to her heart, the girl fell asleep in the starship. Chapter 6. Friends then one day, while the girl was sipping tea, a tiny apricot-colored planet appeared on the horizon. 
From the planet, another Luma of the same color emerged. Do you two know each other? The girl asked the two Lumas gleefully. Despite the girl's excitement, they seemed uneasy. The two Lumas neither drew closer nor backed away from each other. Instead, they just stared. Then one Luma broke the silence. My mama! At once, the apricot Luma parroted back. My mama! My mama! My mama! My mama! The two Lumas began to dance around the girl frantically, and neither showed any sign of stopping. The girl was so charmed by this adorable scene that she couldn't help but laugh. And that's when something very strange happened. Suddenly, more Lumas began to pop out of the apricot planet. They were different colors, but they all shouted the same thing. My mama! My mama! The sight of all the shouting, Lumas only made the girl laugh harder. What am I going to do with all these children? The Lumas just stared blankly as she doubled over laughing. I guess I'll have to name each and every one of you. Tomorrow, once she had finished naming them all, she would begin moving all the Lumas into the new house. Chapter 7, The Telescope After seeing their hundredth comet, a sudden thought popped into the girl's head. I wonder if my home planet is still as blue as it was. That's when she remembered her father's telescope. Peeking into the telescope, a tiny blue dot floated into sight. It was smaller than a star bit. How strange, it's so far away, but it feels so close. She twisted the knob of the telescope and the blue dot grew until she could make out the grassy hill dotted with flowers. It seemed very familiar to her. Zooming in even closer, a terrace on the hill came into view. I used to go stargazing there when I lived on my home planet. And I will say that that does look like Peach's castle that she's looking at. Hmm. She remembered rubbing the sleep out of her eyes as she followed her father up the hill to look at the stars. She remembered how she and her brother would sled down that hill. She remembered having picnics with her mother on that hill in the windy days. And... I want to go home! I want to go home right now! The girl burst into tears and the Lumas didn't know what to do. I want to go home! I want to go back to my house on the hill! I want to see my mother! The girl was shouting now, her face wet with tears. But I know she's not there. I knew all along that she wasn't out there in the sky. Because... Because she's sleeping under the tree on the hill. The girl's cries echoed through the stars, and a hush fell over the area. Chapter 8. The Wish Though usually quite cheery, one day the girl became sad again. Luma drew close and tried to comfort her. Mama, you still have me. And don't be sad about your mama, because she's a part of you. That means she's always close by. It's like me. I love Starbits because they remind me of my mama. No... No, the girl said, unable to stop the tears. A lonely look flickered across Luma's face, but it was soon replaced by a wide grin. I have an idea. I will transform into a comet, a soaring comet that can carry you all on this journey. With that, Luma, trailing bands of white, soared high into the sky and just as quickly started to plummet back down. Kaboom! Kablam! The ground shook and a bright light poured out of the crater that Luma had created. The bands of light twisted together to form a comet trail, and then Luma emerged, reborn as a comet. The girl could scarcely believe her eyes. But how? she kept asking. Our destiny as Lumas is to transform into different things, said a red Luma who had suddenly appeared. Stars, comets, planets, we can become all these things. When I grow up, I want to become a star that makes someone special smile, said a green Luma. A blue Luma chimed in. That Luma turned into a real cutie of a comet, didn't he? All the Lumas together said, No more crying, Mama. Thank you, said the girl in a whisper. 
and she pulled the Lumas close and hugged them. From that day on, star bits no longer fell from the girl's eyes. The comet set forth for the girl's home planet, a long tail blazing proudly behind it. Final Chapter Family With its many Lumas and telescopes, the comet was quite a sight to behold. The girl and the Lumas were proud to call it home. At a welcoming party for a new Luma, the girl gathered everyone in the kitchen and said in a louder voice than usual, All right, everyone, let's make a cake. A cake sprinkled with star bits. Then it will be a star cake. The Lumas excitedly began to gather the ingredients. As she watched the Lumas scurry about, the girl smiled and thought to herself, This is my family now, and I will stay with them until they're ready to leave the nest. And when they do leave, I will see them off with a smile, because that's what makes a mother happiest. That night, when the girl lay down to sleep, a soft light enveloped her and reminded her of the blue planet she once called home. But it would be nice to return home every 100 years to nap in my favorite sleeping nook. The comet carrying the Lumas and the girl continues on its journey to this very day. With more family members in tow than can be counted, it's said that the comet visits the girl's home planet once every 100 years, its proud white tail glittering in the sky. The End So again, apologies for that being a lot longer than I had anticipated doing for this segment, but there's actually a lot of deep lore and theories that surround this story. More story than has ever really been in a Mario game before. And there's a very interesting game theory about it. If you ever watch MatPat's videos about how actually Rosalina is the daughter of Peach and Luigi, not Mario. And he's got some very interesting uh, reasons why. One of the main ones being her father's telescope. And we only ever see Luigi with a telescope in Luigi's mansion, I believe. But then it gets really confusing with space-time and travel. And if you're moving at the speed of light, are you following the rules of time? And, you know, that's how she can come back every hundred years. This game starts at this hundred-year festival where they're watching the night sky when, when all of this happens. So it, it's very confusing. And again, this is kind of why Miyamoto doesn't like doing story. It seems because uh, he doesn't really have a grasp on it. And it, it's just all very confusing and interesting, but there you go. I hope you enjoyed this story time with future Cameron. Let's throw it on back to the past gang. All right. Thank you, Future Me. That was that was great. It was emotional. It was tear-jerking. What a character, Rosalina. Am I right, guys? So I, totally. Wow. I feel like I replayed it just now. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> I, right in the feels, man. Right in my heart. All right. So, Jake, you said you did play this, too. What was your experience with it? Uh, other than what you guys just talked about, I really enjoyed the mechanics how it was like, you know, kind of a, a you know, <laughs> you, you'd be not on a flat plane the whole time. Yeah. I mean, that's really all I remember. I didn't play it too much, but certainly fun yeah. when I did. Okay. Well, let me go ahead and throw some facts at you. So the, first Ouch. off, here's a fact that my, <laughs> you're, supposed to, you're supposed to duck, Jake. Sorry. Right. So <laughs> this is a fact that my roommate would always point out back in college is that when you first boot it up, you see Super Mario Galaxy on the screen, there's a little twinkle on a a few different letters. And those letters are U, R, M, 
R G A Y. You are Mr. Gay. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? Know. Yes. It it <laughs> twinkles on those letters, and he always loved pointing that out. He's like, Yeah, this game opens up insulting you. Huh. It's wow. like, um, I don't think they were going for that, but sure. I am Mr. Gay. That is like so juvenile. Anyway. (laughs) So one of the big standout things about this game is they went all out on orchestrating all of the soundtrack for this game. And I forget who did it. Sorry, guy, I forgot to give you credit to, but it's the same guy who did a lot of the music for Wind Waker. And part of the cool thing that he did with Wind Waker is especially in like mini boss fights, your sword strikes would line up with the music and it would sound really neat. And so that was part of their goal with this game is that generally they set all their songs to the same tempo as Mario's stride. So it kind of lined up and then also doing certain actions would cause the music to like emphasize a beat or something like Uh based off an attack or something like that and so they built it kind of dynamically so that the music could just adjust to your movements basically which is very interesting and yeah that that, that's what i remember the most it's just how beautiful (laughs) the music of this game is i just pulled up the names here uh, Mahito Yokota de, and uh, Koji Kondo. So oh. Those are two veterans of Nintendo music. Yeah, yeah. Kondo is Zelda and Mario. Vet. Yeah, he's he's almost everything. He's done like all the big Nintendo themes. And so I know I, I already covered the lore with Rosalina, but this was one of the first times really that my Mario game brought new lore into the universe. And there was a clash between the directors here because Yoshiaki Kozumi, who was the main director, he wanted to add story, but for some reason, Shigeru Miyamoto says, no, Mario should not have story. Mm -hmm. And personally, it's like, it's been 35 years, give us some sort of progression and not the same game over and over (laughs) again in a different place. Not the same, not (laughs) the same, uh, Peach gets stolen, go rescue her. Yeah. Shenanigans that are in every Mario game. Anyway, (laughs) Kozumi kind of won and put new story into this game, all based off of Rosalina, of course, nothing off Mario or Peach, but they went on to make Mario Galaxy 2, which honestly was supposed to just kind of be like an expansion to one, and then ended up getting so big that they just made it into its own game. Super Mario Galaxy 2 is just the same story, but it's a retelling with actually less story, where it's got like the same opening intro of Bowser pulling Peach's castle into space. But instead of you getting picked up by Rosalina in space, you just land on like Starship Mario, which is just like this little planetoid shaped like Mario's head. And then Hmm. Rosalina like comes in at the end, but it's really, it's the same game, but the story told in a different way. And that was Miyamoto winning there saying, nope, no more story. We're just going to make the exact same thing here. It's like, why? I mean, he did make Mario. So... I know, but the the weird amount of gatekeeping <laughs> to it is just frustrating. Yeah. And I just wanted to give a little tangent about Mario Odyssey. Because Mario Odyssey, beautiful game, 
I loved it, but going into it, I heard, I had heard that just the ending was so good. Like the guy who reviewed it at IGN said big old smile on his face, loved it. Thought the ending was so fun. And I thought it was like, Oh, is there going to be something story related here? The whole game is based off of Bowser trying to forcefully marry peach. So it's very wedding themed. Like are, is Mario and peach like going to get married at the end of this game? Push the story somewhere? Nope. Huh. Nothing. There's just nothing at the end <laughs> other than he defeats Bowser. And yeah. it's like, what? what? Oh, spoilers, man. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't need to spoil every Mario game ever. Cameron, you asked me what's my beef with Mario games, and it sounds like you're the one that has beef with Mario games. <laughs> yeah, I have no beef with playing it. I just yeah. wish they'd advance the plot. And yeah. anyway... <laughs> Game Boy Advance the plot. Oh, that doesn't fit. We're not talking about that. That was that was forced. It was terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, so some of the things they changed here. This was the first time we had just our like our three piece health bar for Mario, mm-hmm. and that has stuck through subsequent games. I think. Well, I guess it's really just that and Odyssey, and then there's like that Bowser's Fury. I think that uses the three piece health hmm. but uh, they added some new power-ups we had the bee suit where you're a fuzzy little bee who flies hmm. around and can climb on honey there's a boo who also floats around and can go through stuff there's a spring mario which is just mario surrounded in a coiled spring and you can bounce around and then there's hmm. the fire flower which is nothing new but then the ice flower which is a lot of fun which basically allowed you to skate on any liquid surface so you could like skate across lava and it'd create like these little uh, hexagonal platforms as mm. under your feet as you're going. And so I like that. But okay. any, I, d- I don't have a lot of facts here. Uh, one that is really interesting, though, is if, if you look at this game, you'll notice that Mario has like this kind of like a light aura, like a, a white outline yeah. kind of around him. And that's, I, I remember that. So it helps kind of dif- differentiate him from the spacey, spacey background, right? The black and purple. And if you look at like a modded camera version of the game, they did that by just always having this like bright light source on the other side of Mario. So hmm. there's the light source, there's Mario, then there's the camera. And so the camera and that light source are fixed. So they never quite see each other. Oh, it's just kind of pivoting around Mario. But if you hack the camera and rotate him around, he's his opposite side is just like blindingly white with all this light huh. shining on him. And it looks really weird. And huh. it, it's just kind of funny because you look at that and it's like, that looks broken. But that's how the game's running. And they're just like hiding this kind of broken looking design. And that's how a lot of stuff happens in games. They're just kind of like cheating the way we perceive it. Yeah. Huh. Just like yeah, if you hack all... a camera in, in other games, and if you rotate the camera around a character, there's like nothing behind them, right? Because it's only rendering <laughs> what's in front of them. But as you yep. play, it feels like a fully fleshed out world. Yeah. It's like watching a play. Same thing. If you go backstage, it looks messed up and screwed <laughs> up, but it's all about how it looks for the audience. Yeah. Perspective yeah. is a big, it's a big one. I always thought when I was playing Mario Galaxy that, I remember just you mentioning that it like brought back this memory. Like that was how I um, suspended my 
what do you call that? Suspending your belief to accept suspension of disbelief. Yeah. So that's how Mario could be in space without exploding. Like that was his. Huh. Or, or like, <laughs> Or like a like his, force field yeah it's like a force field that's what I, yeah <laughs> he could breathe in it and he could be in space nice that's interesting i'm gonna look this up yeah that's that's how we did it that's pretty much it as far as facts here i never played two i didn't play galaxy two I i'm either. really disappointed that it wasn't part of the switch collection because they added yoshi to it Yoshi was supposed to be in the first game, but they thought, you know what? This gravity stuff, this is enough for them at, at one time. We don't need to complicate it with Yoshi platforming, which mm-hmm. I think was a good point. Because huh. Yoshi com- complicates things. He's so dramatic. Wow! He is. Yeah, would his tongue follow the curvature of the things that you're... Like, uh, I mean, uh, if, it has, if it has gravity... Conundrum. Yeah, right? I don't... <laughs> I could see like some major like glitching happening there. Yeah. <laughs> but Mario Galaxy was an incredible game and very highly rated. Again, 97 is wonderful. Well, guys, this conversation has gone on real long. So we're actually going to cut this episode in half. Big surprise. Uh, big surprise. So good news for you. Good news for you, AJ. You are now in seven episodes, counting part two of this one. So, man, it's going to be a while until someone passes you up. Wow. That's a nice accomplishment. We need to give you, like, a badge or something. A trophy. Yeah. Since I'm not, uh, I'm not on the UFC trophy, I'll just uh, I'll let this count. No one knows what you're talking about, the <laughs> UFC trophy. All right. Oh, inside jokes. So... Thank you for being here again, AJ. Thank you, Jake. Thank you, Cameron. You are wonderful. (laughs) Let's get out of here. Yes, you are, Cameron. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. My name's Cameron. And I'm Jake. And I'm AJ. And have a wheelie great week. Even though I've used that joke before. (laughs) It's easy. It's an easy one to use. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 oh,